1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
1: You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Postgame Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to Bear Down. Bear Down! Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. We are now officially a few days away from the Bears' next game against the 2-1 Buccaneers, and this is actually going to be our first noon kickoff of the season. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to this official game preview podcast. Earlier this week, we met the Bucks with a great interview from Gene of the Buck What You Heard Podcast, and now it's time to take a closer look at everything to pay attention to During that game on Sunday, a game that, you know, with both teams, uh, two and one here in the NFC can have bigger implications down the road. Now, for this preview, I have both of my Bears brothers here with me as I'm joined by Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Guys, you're fresh off your third straight audio mailbag week. How's it going?
2: Real good. It feels good to be back now that, you know, my internet's alive again. I don't know what happened Sunday, but I'm disappointed I missed that post-game show.
1: Yeah, I know. I was disappointed not to have you on. Not only did I have to, you know, cover for you for the stat, but Nick and I are going back and <laughs> forth and trying to hold a conversation <laughs> and look at notes and look at stats. It was, uh, you made our lives difficult, Brandon. You did. Sorry. It's okay. You know, we <laughs> managed, though. We managed.
3: <laughs> and if Brandon and I caught up with doing the audio mailbag yesterday, but we'll we'll
1: definitely uh, need you in the future there, Brandon.
2: Hey, three's a party.
3: Three is a
1: party. Three is a party. Guys, ready to get a dive right on in this preview? I think it's going to be a party as well.
2: Let's get the party started. Let's do it. Ah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this week, I want to begin with a discussion on the Bears offense that I'm calling is a unit that is both striving and struggling, striving in terms of moving the football and maintaining time of possession. They're second in the league in that regard, but they're struggling in terms of converting those long drives into points, as they sit 18th in the NFL at 21 points per game. I think we, you know, I say that, and then I remember last year, and I'm like, well, 21 points per game isn't that bad. It's, we still need to work on that number, but it was way worse a year ago. But let's go ahead and begin this conversation under center. Mitchell Trubisky, he hasn't blown anyone out of the water, but he's done enough to get the Bears to 2-1, and one, and he's going to have an opportunity to get the Bears two games over 500 this Sunday. Last week, Trubisky completed 68% of his 35 passes, and he had his best yards per pass of the season, 63 uh, That's still a number that needs to improve, but the good news is that those yards per pass have gone up each week this season. Now, he's going to be squaring off against a vulnerable Bucs secondary that's giving up the most yards of the year per game at 363. Seven touchdowns to one interception and an average pass rating given up of 117.1. Guys, this seems to be quite the favorable matchup for Trubisky, so I want to know. How can the Bears get that passing game going against the Bucks, And what are your expectations for Trubisky in this game? And let's go to Brandon first because I'm eager to get him going on this spot.
2: Yeah, uh, expectations for Trubisky in this offense, I, I don't really know. I wish I had an answer because we heard Matt Nagy earlier this week say, you know, kind of had a realization that Trubisky's kind of been overwhelmed with the amount of plays that I've thrown at him. So we're going to kind of dial it down a little bit. And I don't know that necessarily this is the week to do that uh, just because with the uh poor defense that you mentioned that the Buccaneers have, especially as far as passing goes. I'd like to see him take more shots downfield, but if they simplify the offense to a point where uh, they can hit, he can hit those receivers in stride because he's done it so much, he has the repetition. Then I'm fine with that. But I, I worry that maybe it's going to be too simple and they're not going to be able to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of them.
1: Like, are you trying to say like you're worried it can become like too predictable, where even this Buck secondary that struggled all year can kind of key in on what the Bears are trying to do?
2: Yeah, sort of. I mean, I don't think it'll be like last year's offense where it's 110% predictable. I mean, I think that they're really just going to limit the amount of plays. And if we see the same one more times than not, then they're going to be able to key on things like that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
3: What about you, Nick? You know, I think the way that this offense can get going is uh, just getting the running game going with Jordan Howard. That's going to open up things for Mitch Trubisky. And I think they need to get him out in space, have him do those rollouts, those play action passes, have him throw on the run and Again, this is a Bucs secondary, like we were just saying, is not very good. And this is where Allen Robinson, Taylor Gaber are going to have to big, have a big game to you know just exploit that weakness that they do have on that defensive side of the football for the Buccaneers. But I think this is a game where Mitch Trubisky does show some improvement, some much-needed much improvement at that because the Bears fans are going crazy right now thinking he's not the guy and all of that. But I think this is a game where we can see, you know, so...
0: Finally.
3: some good yards out of Mitch Trubisky and hopefully a couple of touchdowns.
1: I like where you're going in terms of the play action because that's exactly what I have here in terms of getting Trubisky going because right now the Bears are only running play action on about 17% of their throws and that percentage is actually near the bottom quarter of the league. Other teams use that much more, you know, consistently than the Bears have so far this season. But the odd part is that Trubisky has actually been much better off the play action than without it. Both of the touchdowns this season Are off of play fakes. He's completing 79% of his passes off of play action compared to 68% on just standard dropbacks. So, and also, by the way, that boost of uh, completion percentage uh, off of play action is the third best in the league, meaning he's the quarterback, the third best quarterback compared to where he is in standard dropbacks off of play action in terms of completing passes. His passer rating on those normal dropbacks is 70.8 this season. Do you guys want to take a guess at where it is during play action so far? 70.8 during normal dropbacks. Ooh, I don't even know where to yeah, put the number at 108.3 right. off of play action. So I think, like you said, if we can get Jordan Howard going and able to utilize the play action in this game, I mean, Trubisky, all the numbers show that he has been much more effective off the play fake, which is something that came comes from a year ago as well. So I think if the bears want to get him going, get him comfortable, that's exactly the way to do it. And let's take a look at some of those more specific matchups through the year. You know, Trubisky, he's going to be without Anthony Miller this week, and in his place. Kevin White looks to step in, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Josh Bellamy gets some looks there as well. So I want to know, guys, what are your thoughts on the impact of Miller's absence? Um, Because, you know, he really was coming into his own here on this offense. So now that, you know, this is a void to fill, do you anticipate it being filled? And if so, how? And let's go to Nick first.
3: You know, that's an interesting one because Brandon and I were just talking about that in our audio mailbag who's going to be the guy that steps up to replace Anthony Miller? And we were saying maybe it's Kevin White, maybe it's Joshua Bellamy, maybe they bring up Javon Wims, uh, to, you know, on the active roster. But I just don't think, uh, Kevin White or Javon Wims plays that position like Anthony Miller does more in that slot can run those precise routes. I think Josh Bellamy's the closest guy to doing that. So I think if someone were to step up, I think that's going to have to be the guy and he's already been uh, thrown into the offense, you know, in front of Kevin White, you know, he actually has two receptions on the season to Kevin White's zero reception. So I think, Bellamy would be the guy that steps up first, but I think you're going to have to incorporate Kevin White into this offense because, again, there's going to be guys that have to step up each and every week, and with Anthony Miller out, you're going to have to have the next man up mentality.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Kevin White on this depth chart, he's primarily the backup for Allen Robinson. So like, how does he fit You know, in, in terms of Anthony Miller's spot? That's a big question, and I think that's where a Josh Bellamy, as much as I hate to say it, maybe fits in just a little bit better in terms of being that Z receiver. Uh, So for me, I mean, I agree with you, Nick, it might be more Bellamy than Kevin White, but I think we need a, it's kind of like that wait and see game in terms of like how we'll see in terms of how both are going to be utilized. But what about you, B? Do you have any hypothesis?
2: Uh, Just to give something different, I guess maybe if they move Taylor Gabriel into that position and then you put Kevin White on the outside where he's more naturally supposed to be on the depth chart. I don't think that's necessarily how it's going to happen, but I think Taylor Gabriel is definitely a guy that can fill that role as well with, I mean, we've seen him kind of get some more targets, not necessarily more catches, I guess. I mean, he's getting more than Anthony Miller, but at the same time, I think he's a guy that, that can fill that role and have a little more uh, of an impact because he statistically makes the quarterback rating better when quarterbacks throw to him. So I guess that wouldn't be a guy that I would overlook as far as a guy that could fill Anthony Miller's role. So I don't know if it's necessarily that's going to happen, but just something to, I guess, keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Now, looking at the other receivers, you know, Allen Robinson, he's been the clear go-to guy. Uh, He has, uh, you know, he's had at least, what, seven targets in every game, and he's going to be going up against a defense that has allowed three opposing receivers to go for 88 yards or more, and they've given up five touchdown receptions to wide receivers on the year. Now, looking at the targets as a whole, I want to know, like, what matchups do you think the Bears could slash should exploit this week? And let's go right back to Nick.
3: You know, I think a good one, uh, whoever's lined up against Brent Grimes, I think that's one that the Pittsburgh Steelers really exploited last week. And it's really with the tackling in space with those Buccaneers, secondary players where they struggle with. Um, we saw an easy touchdown go to Antonio Brown just on a quick uh, hook route. He just turns around and goes upfield. So that's maybe a spot where you see a Taylor Gabriel really utilizing his speed, turning upfield, is able to make a guy miss. And then you obviously we all know the Chris Conte play where, you know, just a missed tackle. Well, an attempted tackle and the stiff arm goes after that, but I think Allen Robinson's also a guy you know mismatched on whatever corner he's on. If again, if it is a Brent Grimes, he's a way more, he's more physical, a lot bigger, can go up and get that 50-50 ball. I really like the receivers for the Bears against these young secondary plays for the Bucks. So whichever way they want to line up against the Bears, I, I like that matchup.
1: What about you, B?
2: Yeah, I'm looking at uh, whoever lines up against MJ Stewart because he's the second leading tackler on the team. Uh, He's a rookie corner, and I mean it's become pretty apparent if he's going to have that many tackles three games into the year that that's someone that other teams like to pick on. So I would say that that's the matchup that I'm looking at, whoever lines up opposite of MJ Stewart, because it seems like he's just the the weak link in that secondary.
1: Yeah, this is a very weak secondary as it is, and it's one that was already pretty bad, and it's one that's gotten even a little bit worse now with some more inexperience due to the injuries other players having to step up. Uh, For me, though, I'm actually going to take a look more uh, inside here. I'm going to look at Trey Burton because Tampa, they've had a very difficult time uh, slowing down tight ends over the last two weeks because in the last two games, uh, they've surrendered a total of 20 catches for 270 yards and a touchdown to tight ends. And now from the film, I've noticed them beaten two ways by tight ends. One, uh, is the, definitely the one that I see being the most viable is when they use a safety and man coverage, and it's typically uh, has been Chris Conte in the past, who is now out, so this is going to fall on the shoulders of a Jordan Whitehead. Uh, a lot of chunks were given up when forcing the safety, to, and they usually play by like eight yards off the ball, uh, to kind of cross the field along with the tight end with some other routes going against the grain to create some traffic, some congestion, which also often kind of freed up the tight end on the opposite side of the field. And I think here is where Trey Burton can really excel with his speed and yards after the catch ability. Is there anyone else in terms of maybe not wide receivers that you're paying attention to? These Bears running backs, for instance, anyone else? Whoever wants it. I would say Tariq Cohen's a guy that can definitely uh,
3: be favored in these matchups. Just because I said, uh, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not the best tackling team. I think their inside linebackers are definitely the best players on that defense. But a guy like Tariq Cohen in space is going to give mismatch problems to any any defense. So I think that's a guy, and especially on the hot reads, because I know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to want to blitz Trubisky, being a young quarterback, see if he recognizes it. But Tariq Cohen on some of those plays that Trubisky did miss last week, you know, Tree Cohen's open on the hot route. So I think if he's being, if he, you can utilize him in that aspect where Tampa Bay's bringing the blitz, Tree Cohen's going to be a perfect option out of the backfield to get some major yards.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the guys that I have here kind of like highlighted to go after is uh, especially man coverage is our linebacker Quan Alexander. I think it's definitely a key because he's given up a catch on all 17 balls that have came his way. 17 for 17. And uh, that's for over 150 yards so far in the season. So he's definitely a linebacker that's susceptible and coverage kind of like a Nick Kulkowski in a way. I think he might be even worse than Kulkowski to kind of put that in perspective for some of our listeners there at home. Um, but no, I agree. They've given up uh, a decent amount of chunks for uh, running backs through the air. James Conner last week, five catches, 34 yards. The week before for Philadelphia, Corey Clement, five catches, 54 yards. So I think, you know, either of these Bears backs, either be it a Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen, can definitely find a way to make some impact, you know, underneath here in terms of more yards upfield. And of course, uh, be a viable option for Trubisky if, say, the pressure does get in his face. What about you, B? Do you have anything else here you want to kind of mention?
2: I was going to throw in Jordan Howard as far as a guy to look at, and I think this was a question that we had uh, submitted to us. We didn't answer it on the audio mailbag, but, you know, are they overlooking Jordan Howard when they throw him deep? Uh, Because Trubisky's accuracy, something along those lines. Uh, So I guess I'll go ahead and answer it now because I think this is definitely a matchup uh, where they can take advantage of Jordan Howard if they don't want to be that aggressive downfield and take those home run plays. uh, because Trubisky likes to throw those deep balls short from time to time. So if this is one where he feels a lot safer checking down to Jordan Howard, to go ahead and do it because you mentioned the stat that Quan Alexander gives up, you know, 17 to 17 balls thrown his way. So I, I feel totally confident Jordan Howard even being a, a very viable receiver in this one as well.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we've been really applauding Jordan Howard for uh, his now, you know, this new emergence as being a receiver out of the backfield. And it's been a really great sight to see. I just want him to take one more step and that step's going to be avoiding tackles after the catch. He hasn't done a really good job of doing that so far this season. Uh, Actually, according to Pro Football Focus, he has zero uh, missed tackles after a catch so far on the year. Uh, Despite being tied for the ninth, uh, but, uh, most catches out of all running backs. But guys right next to him, like Connor in Pittsburgh, you know, Barkley in New York, Amara in New Orleans and McCaffrey, they have more than a handful of these each. So for Howard to take the next step as a receiver, he really needs to find a way to avoid some tackles after the catch, something that he's been you know known for in terms of yards after contact as a runner. Same kind of deal here as a receiver. If you can find a way to be as effective in this regard I think then you can really see him take his game to the next level and really be that all-purpose back because think of Matt Forte right guys how many times did he make someone miss an open space in a quick screen or a little dump off pass that's the next you know the next step I want to see out of Jordan Howard as a receiver love the rate that he's catching the football I love the hands I'm seeing I think this is just the next way for him to of course be just you know more effective than we've seen so far
2: does he possess that agility though you think he does? I think he's a guy that chases the contact first, so I think that's why you don't see as many broken tackles from him, just an opinion.
1: I mean, that's a good point. I just I don't I don't understand why he's having more success breaking tackles against linebackers in the middle of the field than against right. you know, some corners, some safeties uh, along the boundaries. So for me, I still think it's something he can work upon. Um, he doesn't need to be the best at it in the league, but as long as he can do something, like zero so far through three games after nine catches is... A little underwhelming, but I'm just glad that he has the nine catches that we get to talk about here entering mm-hmm. this fourth game of the season. Well, let's kind of transition here. Let's, let's look at the Buccaneers' pass rush because it's been middle of the road in terms of taking down opposing quarterbacks. Uh, they sit right in the middle of the league with seven sacks through three games. And speaking of three, uh, there are three players who I think are worth paying attention to for the Bucs' pass rush. Defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul, defensive tackle Jared McCoy, and the other defensive end Vinnie Curry. Only the bucks they are the only Bucks in double-digit pressures. Uh, JPP has 12, uh, McCoy has 11, and Curry has 10. And they also account for six of the team's seven sacks. So, Brandon, you are Mr. Trenches, so we have to go over to you first. Uh, which of these matchups in the trenches actually have you the most concerned and why?
2: Uh, It's whoever goes up against Bobby Massey. And I thought that was a segment we got away from a while ago, Uh, but I think Charles Leno really holds his own. And he especially has this year. Uh, I can't recall very many, if at all, any times he's gotten flagged for the holding. Like we've seen last year, once he got that one holding flag out of the way, then he was good to go for the rest game. And I don't, I think he's overcome that. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. I mean, maybe a false start from him here or there. uh, But, he hasn't been uh, as penalized. He's been a lot more solid uh, this year. He's, he's earning up to that contract extension than he got last year. So I think that uh, Charles Leno is going to be the strong point. So that leaves Bobby Massey, who gave up the one sack against Seattle, where, Will you'll say, the, you know, the linebacker was definitely offsides. And it was pretty close where no tackle in the league would have had a chance of stopping. I think it was uh, uh, Michael Kendricks uh, on that blitz. Uh, but regardless, against the a 4-3 front here with Vinny and Jason Paul, I worry a little bit more with Bobby Massey than I will with
3: Charles Leno.
1: What about you, Nick? Do you have one in particular that you're paying attention to?
3: You know, I think Jason Pierre-Paul had a pretty good game against Pittsburgh last week. Uh, he's just a guy, even when he's blocked the first time, he's just relentless in his pass rush. He's always looking to, you know, find ways to get to the quarterback. And Ben Roethlisberger was holding the ball for a long time. So I think that also helped for Jason Pierre-Paul and that Bucs defense kind of get after him a couple of times. But that's a guy that, you know, regardless, um, you know, Mitch Trubisky's, going to look to extend plays that offensive line needs to be stout and be able to hold their blocks for as long as uh, Mitch Trubisky finds a receiver or gets rid of the ball or whatever decision he makes. But that's a guy that I'm going to key on. But really, honestly, this pass rush for the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what I was seeing in that game against Pittsburgh and just throughout, they really don't get to the quarterback without bringing the blitz. So that's going to be a time where, again, Mitch Trubisky needs to know where his hot routes are at and just be able to exploit that and just attack where the blitz is coming from. So I'm not too worried about the overall pass rush that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to bring.
1: Yeah, in terms of that blitzing, you just mentioned a good point. I have it later on my nose, but I think it's worth mentioning now. Uh, when they do bring that blitz, it's often in third and medium, third and long. And I think that's really when, you know, Trubisky's going to be tested in this game. And I saw Pittsburgh really find a way to uh, overcome that. That You know, the mm-hmm. big stiff arm play was a third down. It was a blitz. And, you know, what they did was uh, throw right towards it, right behind it with Vance McDonald. Yep. And he was able to run away from everybody. I think those are the kind of plays I like to see on third down, those quick throws in space, let your guys do the work. Uh, so, yeah, really good point there on uh, in terms of the blitzing. Um, they did counter that with running more zoned later on in the game, which is why they were able to kind of come back and hold Pittsburgh on third down throughout the remainder of the game, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, but we'll see exactly what kind of defense they bring. But I watched a little bit of the tape against the you know, Steelers. I watched it the week prior against the Eagles, and primarily more times than not, third down, third and seven, third and eight. They're going to bring the house, five to six guys, and really try to make you you know, make a quick decision. So I think that's going to be really key. For Trubisky, and taking one more step back further, uh, I checked it out for you, Brandon. You said you haven't really noticed many penalties for uh, you know Charles Leno Jr. Right? That's because he hasn't been called for one yet this season. Nice, sweet. Yeah, so that's a really good sign here. I mean, that's the reason why Pro Football Focus they have him ranked very high up in his position as well. Uh, so yeah, no Leno Jr. has been playing a very clean season, and I anticipate that to kind of continue here this week against the Buccaneers. All right, let's go take a look at the Bears' ground game. They entered the week 12th in yards per game on the ground, 115, 15th in yards per attempt at 4.1. And they ran the ball actually the seventh most times in the league with 85 rushing attempts. Now, as of right now, statistically, you know, the rushing attack has been average. Even though last week Nick and I kind of talked about it, that the running game, even though they didn't have tons of yards per carry or per rush, uh, it was more vital and impactful than really those stats indicated. So I want to know, guys, like how can Chicago get Jordan Howard going against the Bucs defense that only gives up 3.6 yards per carry, which if that number sounds familiar, it's because it's the same exact average that the Cardinals gave up heading into last week's game. But let's go over to Brandon first, because I think, we mentioned how play action could be a very important part, but it's not going to work if we don't establish the run.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a big part of it is, you know, the Bucks don't give up very many rushing yards because they get in these shootouts all the time. So I don't, I think I take that stat with a grain of salt. Uh, I mean, they have Gerald McCoy up the middle, who's very good at, at stopping the run. Uh, he only has four tackles on the air, but he's he's gap discipline. He knows where he's supposed to be, does all the right things, uh, prevents the run from going inside, makes the guy bounce outside. So he's a very solid defensive tackle for the Bucs, and that's a guy that you have to watch out for when Jordan Howard's running the ball. Uh, but ultimately, I, I I think it's more the linebackers that are going to be more of a problem when it comes to running the ball effectively, uh, because Nick, you brought it up with Gene, how Quan Alexander and Levante David can cover the whole field really fast, and that's something that Jordan Howard, you know, we just talked about his agility, doesn't necessarily have that breakaway speed to get to the edge either. Uh, so I think really it's going to come down to establishing the run and keep pounding the rock to wear the defense down. And they, I think, will break uh, the average that the Bucks give up that 70.7 yards per game. I think they'll exceed that uh, because they have to dominate the time of possession to keep the Bucks' offense off the field, play complimentary football on this one uh, in order to win. Uh, so I, I don't know necessarily that there's a, a good strategy, uh, but if they can avoid Gerald McCoy, make sure that he gets double teamed, have the A gap. You know, ready for Howard to take on with Gerald McCoy's spot, then I think they'll be in good shape as long as they can take him out of the equation.
1: Yeah, I think my big one right now, we haven't seen a ton of push from this offensive line. Jordan, too many times, there are defenders in the backfield. Now, last week, there was a play where there's like three guys in the backfield on third down. And, you know, Howard uh, lowered his shoulders, was able to run right through him. But he's not going to do that every time. And we really need to get some push. Don't allow him to get, you know, contacted a yard behind the line of the scrimmage or a yard right after. Give him at least two to three yards to kind of have some wiggle room and see what he can do. But over to Nick, I want to know. Uh, what were your thoughts on Jordan Howard, and I'm gonna give you even a second question here. Like, how important is the ground game, especially now with this week's secondary that we're gonna go up against? Because the Steelers won, you know, via their aerial attack, and you know, all the teams so far on the year have really succeeded passing the ball in the Buccaneers. So, is that kind of the blueprint, or can the Bears actually do something different here and win by, you know, establishing the run, wearing down this defense, something that teams really haven't done to the Buccaneers defense yet?
3: Yeah. And if you establish the run, you keep that Bucs offense off the field. So I think it's very important in this game. And we already talked about it will equate to Mitch Trubisky also having success. But I think what the Bears can do is distribute Jordan Howard's carries just from first down, second down, and even on third down. Because, look, he has 29 attempts on first down. In that Cardinals game, 16 of his 24 attempts were on first down. We used to kill John Fox for saying that Jordan Howard would constantly get the ball on first down. Everyone knew what the play was. Well. That's kind of happening here a little bit. So I think the Bears need to learn to distribute it because right now Jordan Howard on second down. He only has 18 attempts this year, but he has it for 69 yards, a 3.8 average. That's more than his average all season, which is 3.4. So the Bears, I think, can distribute Jordan Howard because he is a three down back now. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. So you defenses know that they're just constantly going to run on first down. That's not going to. Uh, I guess, bring that versatility to your offense. So if they can distribute Jordan Howard's carries and that will just make this offense, you know, that much more unpredictable. And that's how you can keep, again, drives going and keep that Bucks offense off the field. So I think that's one way they can definitely do a better aspect of, you know, maybe having Jordan Howard having better yards per carry and hopefully having un- that first 100 yard game in his last two seasons. He's always had a hundred yard game by week three. He didn't have that last week. So hopefully he can
1: get it in week four. There we go. Yeah, hopefully the Bears did a little bit of self-scouting and kind of saw the same trends that you were seeing. Uh, Speaking of self-scouting, there's one area of the game that they better be kind of, you know, looking uh, at themselves very hardly in in the mirror, and that's going to be the red zone offense because I think we can all agree that it must be improved in terms of their efficiency because the Bears have been able to reach the red zone really without much of a problem. They're averaging over three trips per game, um, but their efficiency is ranked 27th in the league. Only 40% of those red zone trips have resulted in touchdowns. And this is going to lead to my weekly simple question, complicated answer. How can the Bears fix these red zone woes? And what's been maybe the biggest issue for them down there so far? It's kind of the same question worded a little bit differently. Let's go to Brandon first.
2: I think they're just being too cute down there. Uh, That play where Mitch Trubisky got sacked for like 17 yards or whatever that was last week, that first trip they had down there. I mean, he was looking for, I mean, that shouldn't have even been a pass play. In my opinion, they need to be running the ball in the red zone, especially within the 10 yard line. That section never happened. So I I think they're just getting too cute. They're trying to get fancy and move guys around. But when you get down there, it's just a jumble of guys and you're not gonna be able to find your guy anyway. So that's why I think it really becomes important to be able to establish the run and run it right up the gut down there
3: in the red zone.
1: What about you, Nick? How do you think the Bears can kind of fix these red zone issues?
3: You know, I think it's simplifying things. Look at the one play where, and I'm going back to that Arizona game. You have four people lined up to the right side, but you throw it to Allen Robinson on that jump ball. that was nowhere even close. There was three defenders on that right side. Throw it to that. I think it's three cone in the backfield. He's going to make a guy miss, and hopefully the three guys in front can, you know, uh, have hold their blocks, and you have a touchdown most likely. So I think when they get there, Nagy just gets to think. Uh, go back to maybe those scripted plays. What are your best plays in here? And don't overcomplicate things. And I think that's going to equate to success in the red zone. Because like you said, the Bears are are getting there. They just need to finish. And they're not doing that right now. So if you just simplify things, hopefully Trubisky, you know, goes through his reads and is able to find the right guy. But when you're throwing all these, I guess, options out there, Trubisky just doesn't seem like he knows where he wants to go. Just give him like that one read. Hopefully, you know, that's open. But Yeah, I think that's what it is. Overcomplicating things in the red zone is not going to equate to success.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. It's actually the inverse of a year ago. A year ago, we could never get to the red zone, but when we did, we were like one of the best teams in the league in terms of punching it in. And now it's kind of flip-flop, so it's really interesting to see that. But hopefully this week uh, the Bears can find a way to get it done because Tampa Bay Gives up the third most touchdowns in terms of once teams reach the end zone, red zone. Well, they would give up touchdowns if they reach <laughs> the end zone, right? Um, but opponents have scored on nearly eighty-nine percent of their red zone trips against Tampa Bay this season. So for the Bears, forty uh, percent. They if they can find middle ground to score sixty percent in this game, which is you know in, in between their average and the Bucks' average, I think that'd be a really good sign in terms of the Bears coming away with the victory this week. All right, guys. Anything in your notes that you want to bring up? Uh, you know, bring to the table here in terms of either Tampa Bay's defense or even the Bears' offense that we haven't touched on yet.
2: The Bears are one to zero when Jordan Howard gets twenty more carries in twenty eighteen.
1: There You go nine <laughs> it's and a three. Simple formula. Is nine and three now. Is it nine, nine and three? three you know, went back and okay. look it up. Yeah, because I, I had eight and three, I think. I, I, I thought it was eight and two oh even better i'll take I, nine put, and two. I
3: put it in the chat earlier i thought it was
1: eight and two i apologize for people if that was i don't wrong. have it in front of me i could <laughs> yeah, be wrong so by I one. i could number. be wrong i, I know no there's idea. a nine i know we have nine wins you See, there are three or two, it's and two in
2: 2018 they're one and know oh. there you go it we'll that. 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 that that. that that really
1: honestly is all that matters 2018 is the only year that we can even discuss right now honestly but uh anything else from you nick
3: no, not really. I mean, I think Mitch Trubisky needs to have a great game in order for them to win, but we'll get into that later. Great awesome.
1: Game. I have one question, and I don't know if I want to bring it up now or at the end of the show. I'm going to go do it now before it kind of escapes my mind, but uh, the Buccaneers are coming off a short week and they have to travel to Chicago. Now, we saw our Bears come out flat after their Monday night game, having to travel all the way to Arizona. So obviously if Tampa Bay does the same, the bears must find a way to make them pay. I'm not going to go around the horn asking, like, what's the, you know, the chances of them coming out flat, but I think it is, you know, they're coming off a loss though. So I think they're going to be a little bit more, uh, you know, hungry than maybe we were. Uh, They're not going to be overlooking this team in a way that perhaps we overlooked the Cardinals, but you know, a short week having to travel with this whole quarterback situation that we're going to talk about here in the second half of the show. I mean, we'll see exactly what kind of attitude mindset kind of comes out of Tampa Bay. Uh, But this is a really big game. So I do expect them to show up and play, but uh, moving right along, I want to know who's your X factor for the bears offense this week. And let's go to Brandon for his.
2: My X factor is going to be Jordan Howard, because we talked about establishing the run and it's really going to keep the bucks offense off the field. And I think it's going to be, you know, kind of the, the game decider, in my opinion, the bears do a really good job of winning the time possession battle. But if they can, run Jordan Howard a lot, establish run, I think we could see that time of possession even go up. And then if Nagy realized this week that he's put too much on Trubisky's shoulders and, you know, it's kind of been too much as far as play calling goes, I think we see a lot more runs in the mix and it just plays really well for Jordan Howard. And I already brought up the stat, you know, they're one know when he's got 20 or more carries. So I expect that to be the mark that Jordan Howard reaches in this one because it's not only going to help Trubisky and ease him, it's also going to help Matt Nagy, it's going to help the offense, it's going to keep the defense off the field, and more importantly, keep the Bucks offense off the field. So Jordan Howard's max factor.
3: What about you, Nick? I'm going to go with Allen Robinson. I think this is going to end up being a more offensive game for the Bears. And if they really want to win, they're going to have to put up some points. And I think Allen Robinson you know, has been a receiver that Mitch Trubisky can rely on. And I think he's going to have to have a good game going against these young corners, these smaller corners as well. So I think Allen Robinson is able to catch those 50-50 balls. If he gets an opportunity, Trubisky needs to give him that opportunity first. But I think if he has a great game, this Bears offense is going to get rolling. So he's my X Factor.
1: Great stuff. For me, I'm gonna give it to the entire offensive line. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and just pull a Brandon here and do this. <laughs> if the offensive line can keep Trubisky clean um, and allow him some time to throw, I think obviously that's gonna be huge. I think if that happens, uh, Trubisky's gonna have enough time to find some holes in this Bucks secondary, like quarterbacks have had, you know, all season. Additionally, if the line can generate push, allow Jordan.
0: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds.
1: to be a factor when he does touch the ball. It's going to open up the play action, which we all kind of talked about how important it is going to be for this Bears offense. But say if the line struggles in these regards, I think really the Bears offense as a whole will. So these are the matchups that they should win. Uh, they played really well this season the Bears offensive line has, and I expect it to continue. But if they come out there and have a poor performance and allow guys like JPP, Atkins, Currys to really go off, I don't see a way that the Bears offense can overcome it this week. And going up against a Bucks, you know, offense that has put up so many points we're going to need our offense to kind of hold up their end of the bargain here in some regards as well. All right, fellas, I want to find out who has the edge now. And let's go over to Nick, and he's going to have the Bears passing attack versus that Buccaneer secondary. I have to give it to the
3: Bears passing attack uh, just because of how bad the Bucs secondary is. Uh, I think Mitch Trubisky comes and plays this game, shows up, and has his best game of the season. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears
1: passing attack. I'm going to hand it right over to myself. Uh, Bears ground game versus that Buccaneer run defense. Uh, I'm going to give it to the Bears running game. I believe that the Buccaneers haven't really been truly tested on the ground this season, largely due to uh, scoring so many points on offense where teams have to play catch up with them and keep up with them. And it's been a little bit difficult for teams to establish a run. I think that's why they face like the third lowest or the lowest actual amount of run faced against on defense. So if the Bears can find a way to you know, stick with that run, wear them down, I think Jordan Howard can find a way to have that first 100 yard game this season. And I really do have faith that the offensive line can find a way to turn it around because I'm sure they're proud of what they've done in terms of pass protection so far. Um, but, you know, guys like Kyle Long, Cody White here, uh, Bobby Massey, Charles Linda Jr. Eric Cush as well. I might as well just said all five, but uh, they're all, they would take pride in you know, taking care of the business, you know, Pushing guys backwards instead of just protecting. So for me, the Bears' offense comes out violently, was uh, able to establish a run. So for me, I'm going to give the edge to the Bears' ground game here. And that means it's time for Brandon. He has the Bears' pass protection versus that Buccaneers' pass rush.
2: I knew you were going to give me this one when I was sitting here doing my notes last <laughs> night. I'm like, it's going to come down to a tie, but thankfully it's not. So I don't feel as much pressure that it took me all day to figure this one out. But I'm going to give it to the Bears' offensive line. I mean, the Bucks have seven sacks on the year, and that's middle of the pack in the NFL. The Bears have given up nine on the year. That's the 10th most in the league, but not all of them are on the offensive line. I mean, some of it's risky getting happy feet. Uh, you know, his his internal clock not necessarily uh, going off when it should taking too long, things of that nature. So I think with a simpler offensive game plan installed this week, we see fewer sacks because Trubisky is just going to be a lot more comfortable. He's going to go out there and play, and he's not going to think so much. So I think that the Bears' offensive line wins this one, but it took me all day to think about that one.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad we do these shows in the evenings where you have been in a lot of <laughs> Right? <laughs> all right, guys, that's going to wrap up our discussion on the Bears' offense sitting into this week four matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we're going to call a quick timeout as it's halftime, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, Seacake. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phone and our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to search for tickets. We can be anywhere Pull their phones, open the app, and then a few clicks, instantly find some seats. I actually got a push notification today from SeatGeek about the upcoming Bears game against the Buccaneers, a game that Nick is going to. If you want to go meet Nick at the game, feel free to check out SeatGeek for some tickets. There's still plenty of amazing deals left. Uh, I like that I got that push notification. It's a great reason to get that at because I'll let you know, like, hey, don't forget, there's a team that you like, and they're playing next to you, and you might want to go check it out. And that works for concerts, the you know theater as well, pretty much anything you can think of. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on a value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Now, the best part of all of this is that our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. We are breaking down this Bears week four matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, kind of previewing, telling you everything you need to know heading into kickoff. We just had a great discussion about the Bears offense, and now it's time to flip the table and talk about that Bears defense. And let's go ahead and begin with their quarterback situation, because it appears we're going to need to at least briefly discuss two here as Tampa Bay has really yet to announce who is going to start on Sunday. We could be in store for another round of Fitzmagic or we're going to be the first defense that Jameis Winston has seen this season as he's fresh off of his suspension. But regardless of who lines up under center, the Bears are confident that they are ready. And I really like that confidence that they're kind of exuberating, you know, exuberating right now. Now let's go ahead and start with Fitzpatrick. You know, he started the season as the first quarterback ever to throw three straight 400 yard games. Now I know we have an injury in the secondary. and We'll talk about that in a moment, but I'm still having a hard time seeing Fitzpatrick throwing for yet another 400-yard game this week if he is the starter. The Bears have only given up 224 passing yards per game on average due to a good combination of solid coverage and a very ferocious pass rush. Additionally, for Fitzpatrick, five of his 11 touchdowns have came off the deep ball, so the Bears are going to be tested downfield in this one. Now, before we get into specific matchups, I want to know if Fitzpatrick is the starter on Sunday. What's the key to slowing him down? Did the Steelers kind of provide the example last week when uh, they forced Fitz into three interceptions due to bringing the pressure? Let's go to Nick.
3: Yeah, I think that's exactly what the Bears need to do, and they can apply the pressure without bringing the blitz. So that's going to be key for the Bears who, like you alluded to, uh, Will, they're they're missing somebody in the secondary. We'll get to that in a bit. But Fitzpatrick, yeah, when you get pressure in his face, he's prone to throw some – you know, risky passes and ones that are in triple coverage, double coverage passes that you wouldn't want your quarterback making on a a daily basis. But that's what the bears need to do. Get Fitzpatrick off his mark. He will give you opportunities to make plays. And I'll give you the statistic when the bucks lose a turnover battle uh, last year, they were zero and six. They only won one time. It was the last game of the season against the saints. So that's exactly what the bears defense needs to do. Make this bucks offense lose a turnover battle, they're gonna have a good chance to win. And they lost last week in that turnover battle against Pittsburgh. Tampa Bay gets their first loss of this season. So I think Fitzpatrick, you apply pressure, that's going to be the key to success for this Bears defense.
1: Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. What about you, Brandon? Anything further you'd like to add in terms of stopping that Fitz magic?
2: If they if they can bring in it, well, they will bring enough pressure in this game. I'm not worried about that. But getting them to third down I think is is key because they have the fourth least amount of third down attempts in this game. Or in this this year, the Buccaneers do, but they have the fourth highest conversion percentage. Uh, So I think forcing them to take more third down attempts uh, is really going to put some pressure on them, especially if they play, you know, the Bears play complimentary football, run the ball with Jordan Howard, and really dominate the time of possession. So it's really going to force the Buccaneers to have to pick up the speed a little bit. I mean, they already have, you know, the 23rd ranked time of possession in the league. So when they score, they score early. And they score on home run plays because they don't have the ball for very long, uh, so it's going to be finding out a way to eliminate the home run ball. But I think bringing pressure is going to absolutely be the way to do that and get the Bucks to third down.
3: Hey, that's- Brandon, I want to add one more thing to that third down uh, distance success rate. Last year, actually, the Bucs were fourth in the league and third in third and medium, which is four to seven yards converting that. And that's when that was a bad Bucks team. So right. saying that they're you know fourth best now, I mean, I think that's even better because now they're they're playing a lot better. But last year they were very good at. Uh, converting the chains on third down with four to seven yards and that's you know a favorable matchup for any defense when you can get an opposing offense to to that yardage mark but that was interesting when I was look, looking back to the stats that Tampa Bay actually had that you know good third down conversion percentage despite not having a good year last year it just shows that this offense really you know is for real for sure right
1: that's just a scary combination, though, that Brandon pointed out. The fourth least amount of third downs is also like the fourth best conversion rate. Is that what it was, fourth and fourth? Did I get that right?
2: Uh, it was the fourth least amount uh, and the fourth highest conversion yeah. percentage, yeah. So. I just
1: wanted to yeah. make sure, but no, either way, to be in the top five in both of those categories, that's scary because not only do you even have to worry really worry about dealing with third down, uh, better than most teams in the league. But when you do, you're really good at converting it as well. So it's a scary combination, but I think this Bears defense is going to be up for the test here this week. Um, but real quickly, you know, say the Bucks go ahead with Winston. Uh, I want to know, like, what would you expect out of him? Does he step right into this prolific passing attack? Or does he come out rusty? What challenges does also uh, Winston bring to the table that Fitzpatrick doesn't? Because they are two different type of quarterbacks here. Let's go right back to Brandon real quick.
2: I would much rather face Winston if I had my choice uh, because he statistically has never really impressed me when he plays the Bears. I think last year when we played, they were he was like 18 to 31 or something odd like that. But he only had one touchdown, and he had barely 200 passing yards. So, I mean, it was kind of weird to have a, a higher completion percentage, not quite 70, so like low to mid-60s, uh, and then be able to only throw one touchdown. And it tells me he doesn't necessarily execute, and he's never been and all that accurate passer, especially downfield. So if I have my choice, I'm going to pick Winston, especially because he hasn't played yet. I think he will be a little bit rusty uh, playing in a, a noisier than normal, I think, Soldier Field uh, this upcoming weekend. So I I would, if I have my choice, I'm going to pick Winston. He's a little more mobile, uh, but his statistically doesn't uh, blow me away as far as completion percentage or anything like that.
1: Sure. What about you, Nick? What would you anticipate if, say, they decide to go with Jameis? You know, I think he would come out. Rusty, I, I just don't think
3: they're going to start him right away against the Bears defense, to be completely honest. I mean, Fitzpatrick, he had a bad, I think it was second quarter, really, against the, in the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then he really rebounded. So I'm really expecting Fitzpatrick to be the one that plays this game. But, you know, Jameis Winston's a guy that can extend plays, and I, I think I remember the one play last year where he's just avoiding Keem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, and throws a deep ball. I think it was the Mike Evans, like, down the middle of the field. That's what he can bring. He can really extend those plays, and you know, make big ones out of that. But I just think that we're going to see Fitzpatrick in this one. I do like Fitzpatrick because he's going to give you opportunities to get turnovers.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of cover bases and talk about both quarterbacks just because they haven't really named an official starter just yet. I anticipate it being, you know, Fitzpatrick as well, but I've seen stranger things happen in the NFL. I've seen John Gruden trade a Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. (laughs) (laughs) So so you never know. Anything's possible. So we'll find out here uh, in a couple of days, but let's go ahead and take this a step further and look at, all of the matchups in the secondary. Uh, we have a trio of players who have played extremely well at receiver. And by we have, we have to go up against them is what I mean. Uh, Mike Evans, he is averaging over 120 yards per game. He has three scores on a year, one per each game. He's holding in six passes that have gone for at least 20 plus yards. That's two more than the Bears have as a team right now. That The Bears only have four. He has six, just to put that in perspective. Deshaun Watson, he is averaging a whopping 26 yards per catch, 312 yards on just 12 catches. Uh, Chris Godwin, he is second on the team in both targets and catches, averaging 13.2 yards per catch. All of these receivers, they combine for nine touchdowns on the year, and it appears like we're going to be likely without a Prince of Mukamara this week, which is absolutely something that we need to watch throughout this week and, of course, this game. But, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. What are some of the matchups in the year that worry you? Because, to be honest, In some capacity or another, all three of these players do to me. Uh, They kind of have me slightly worried, but and just keep in mind uh, Evans, Godwin, they have scored, like I said, a touchdown in each game this season. So, what matchups were you the most and why? So, before that, uh, you said Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Uh, Jackson. Jackson.
3: (laughs) Yeah. No, just wanted to correct you on that one before I get going. Um, So, Kevin, I, we're expecting Kevin Tolliver to be the corner stepping up for Prince and Mookamara. M- and I think that whether it's to Sean Jackson or Mike Evans, you know, and I'm sure they're going to, you know, change that and, you know, with formations. So he's probably going to see both of them at some point during the game. That does worry me because Kevin Tolliver, yes, he was thrown into the game against the Arizona Cardinals. But Christian Kirk, a rookie wide receiver, you know, got him with a double move, was catching a lot of passes at the end of the game. Now you're going against these guys, these wide receivers that have been dominating the league so far. Mike Evans made a nasty double move uh, in that Pittsburgh game and got a touchdown. And that's what Kevin Tolliver was burned on last week against a rookie and Christian Kirk. So those any kind of, I mean, even a Chris Godwin who yes, has a touchdowns on the season, didn't have his best game last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, had a couple of drop passes, but I really don't like that matchup. That's one where I know that Tampa Bay is going to want to exploit that, and Vic Fangio is going to have to counter that with his own defensive scheme. However, you know, maybe putting more coverage to that side. But Kevin Tolliver is a guy that I don't really like against anybody right now, and that's not a good sign.
1: Yeah, for a guy who a few weeks ago was like, we want Tolliver, we don't want Amukamara, and he switched real quickly. Oh yeah, I know. I I would rather. <laughs> I wish Prince Amukamara was
3: healthy. Let me just say that.
1: What about you, B? Any of these receivers scare you more than the other?
2: First of all, even with Prince, I'm worried about this uh, receiving core that Tampa has, but uh, most specifically is going to be Deshaun Jackson because I almost said Watson myself there, so I had to make sure (laughs) I said it right Uh, because he's got two of the longest plays uh, of the year in the NFL. Uh, one of them's on special teams and the other one's a 75 yard receiving touchdown. So he's got the speed. And even with Prince, I'm not sure that that's a matchup that I like. Uh, even against Kyle Floor, I'm not sure that I 100% like that matchup. There's going to be a lot of safety help in this game. So I think we see Bryce Callahan uh, on Deshaun Jackson the most. And he's been tearing it up on my bench as far as fantasy goes. Uh, so That that kind of has me disappointed. But that's, that's one matchup that I really worry about. Uh, is Deshaun Jackson really against anybody outside of Bryce Callahan? Because there's going to have to be help somewhere. These guys are really good, run very clean, solid routes. Uh, I, I like the Bears' secondary. Don't absolutely get me wrong. Uh, but just without Prince, this this uh, matchup gets a lot harder to decide.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And honestly, let's not even forget about... Actually, before I get to tight ends, I want to talk about... Uh... They're deep, you know, deep opportunities that Tampa Bay has had so far this season because they have an alarming 20 passes that have gone for at least 20 yards or more so far this season, including a 51-yarder and a pair of those 75-yarders that Brandon already kind of alluded to because the Buccaneers are not a team that's going to nickel and dime you. They're going to take those big chunks. They're really going to go for it. I think Brandon already gave the answer here, but I want to kind of still pose the question, how do the Bears limit those big plays that the Buccaneers have been able to get all season? And Brandon, I am going to write back to you because I think you hit it right on the head when he said safety help.
2: Safety help is going to be a big thing because when the Bears bring the pressure that they're going to be able to provide in this game, I mean, Fitzpatrick or Winston, whoever the quarterback is, is going to have to wait for those routes to develop. Uh, So you send the safety help over the top, it's going to make Fitzpatrick think a little bit or Winston, whoever the quarterback is. He's going to have to really think about where he wants to throw this ball. And the the safeties are quick enough uh, to be able to get to the ball once it's in the air, so I don't necessarily worry about that. It's just the receivers beating Tolliver or Fuller off the line. I think we see a lot more softer coverage off the line. I mean, we typically see it from Fuller anyway. I think we see a lot of it from Tolliver to try and combat those deeper passes.
1: Let's look at the tight ends now. O.J. Howard, he has caught 11 of his 14 targets. He's really becoming a more reliable option than he was a year ago. He has at least 50 yards in every game so far this season. Cameron Braid he has only seen six balls come his way, but he did have a score last week. The Bears, they have actually given up a t- touchdown to a tight end in each of the last two weeks. So, Nick, over to you. How do you think the Bears stack up to these tight ends?
3: You know, I think it's going to be a bounce back game for Dane Trevathan. Uh, He gave up what looks like the two touchdowns in the Arizona game early on in that game, but was able to rebound effectively. And this is going to be a tough matchup. O.J. Howard is looking like that first round, you know, uh, playing up to that first round talent that he was uh, in uh, two years ago now. And I think that this is going to be one that maybe, you know, can ultimately determine who's the winner of this game. If the Bears can't cover O.J. Howard, Cameron Brate, the middle of the field, going down those vertical seams or on those corner routes like Dan Trevathan gave up last week, um, it's going to be a tough uh, day for the Bears' defense. But I think Dan Trevathan, Roquan Smith are up to that task. And again, I'm, I trust Vic Fangio. He's gonna, he knows that there's a bunch of weapons on this Bucs uh, team. So just being able to drop back into coverage and get there quick is going to definitely help out because you can take away the underneath stuff and have Fitzpatrick have to throw over. That's just going to give him more time for this pass rush to get there. So I think I'm, I'm confident in it, but this can easily be a matchup where if the Bears don't play well and you know guarding these tight ends, that could be the game.
1: I think you had a good point here where it's going to be up to the linebackers this week because almost any other week I can see them kind of wanting to use like an Adrian Amos here on man coverage on one of these tight ends. But as Brandon alluded to, and I think we all can agree with the big play, you know, capability along the sidelines, you're really going to want that safety help. So it's going to be up on guys like Trevathan or Roquan Smith, heck, one of these edge guys, too, perhaps sometimes dropping back in cover to kind of take care of business against these tight ends. And we'll see exactly how that shakes out on Sunday. But looking at the Buccaneers offensive line, it's kind of take a you know look now at the trenches. Uh, for the season, the Bucs have actually given up the third least amount of sacks, only five. But it doesn't mean that they've been, you know, nearly perfect because they actually have given up 42 total pressures and the offensive line has actually been called for 12 penalties so far this season. And that's an average of four per game. The Bears defense, uh, just to show you where they're at, they have 66 pressures on the year. And of course, that league high 14 sacks. So over to Brandon, Uh, what matchups do you like this week in the Bears favor down in the trenches? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'll take these. Want to take Cleo Mac on whoever he's going up against because he's either <laughs> going to get the sack, force turnover, or draw the penalty, which is just as good of a sack. Uh, but I mean, outside of him. There, it's going to have to really be a community effort. I think we see a lot more stunts. I think we see Keem Hicks and Eddie Goldman really work together, uh, try and take advantage of the middle of the offensive line. I don't know necessarily that's where they want to attack, uh, but they're going to have to try something a little different. We may see some more a gap blitzes with Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan. Uh, they're going to have to dial up something a little different, but with all the deep routes that they throw, that'll definitely allow us time for the pressure to get there. And, you know, we've brought up a handful of times now that we don't have to send a blitz for the pressure to get there, which is so incredibly nice to have on our side. So I don't necessarily know how many blitzes we've seen drawn up, uh, but I think it's going to be definitely a community effort with the guys on the line uh, to be able to get there. Like I don't think it's just going to be one individual guy. We're going to see a lot more stunts. We're going to see a lot of different looks, I think. May even send some corner blitzes just to try and spice things up a little bit. Uh, but I, I like Cleo Mack, obviously, in this one, so I'll take the easy answer.
1: Definitely the easy answer, but it's not the wrong <laughs> yeah. answer, so it's Okay. For right. me, I'm looking at two here. I have Akeem Hicks versus the right guard. I think how you pronounce his uh, uh, Benenoch, B-E-N-E-N-O-C-H. Yeah, I don't, I don't get paid to pronounce Buccaneers names, so that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but that right guard, he has surrendered the second most hurries on the team. Uh, he really struggles against power. And Akeem Hicks, he has you know power in bunches. And of course, Eddie Goldman against their center Jensen. Uh, Jensen has been called for a team high four penalties. Uh, two of them are unnecessary roughness, so maybe Goldman can you know, wear him down, get him frustrated, cause him maybe to retaliate. Easy 15 yards there. Uh, Nick, I want to go over to you. What are your expectations for, say, a Leonard Floyd? Because he hasn't been much of a factor in terms of rushing the passer just yet, only two total pressures. And just to compare uh, with the next two the two guys who are highest on the team, uh, Khalil Mack has a whopping 20 pressures to okay. by himself. Akeem Hicks is next with six. Just to show you just how— fantastic cleo mac has been um but also like you know floyd's too i understand he's had the cast but we're starting to get to that point where we want him to become more of a factor that we anticipate from him uh coming from the opposite end
3: yeah i don't think it's fair to compare someone to cleo mac no, just because no. he's on a level <laughs> on his own but um leonard floyd's getting better especially in that arizona game they lined him over the center and he had a sweet swim move got right up into the middle of the uh, you know, the pass rush and was able to get Bradford off his mark. So he is getting better. He hasn't gotten the sacks yet. And I think, you know, with that cast becoming a little bit smaller and hopefully being off pretty soon, his, his pass rush is just going to improve. But he has been pretty good in the run game. So that's something that, yes, you want to see Leonard Floyd get to the quarterback, but it's not like his game is taking a dramatic uh, drop back in all aspects. He's improving in other areas. So I think with that being said, Leonard Floyd, I'm expecting a little bit more out of him this game. Each week he's gotten a little bit better. So this is the game where I, I expect him maybe we see that first sack. But he's definitely getting better in just his hand usage and because he's able to use, you know, his fingers now. And I think that's a big thing for him, especially just what he's worked on in uh, you know, the offseason. But yeah, Leonard Floyd, uh, I'm not too worried about him. Once that cast completely comes off, I think you're gonna see the full strength of this pass rush, which is crazy to say because it's already been phenomenal so far.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm just waiting to see Leonard Floyd get back into his zone. And once he gets back to form, I mean, it's already scary. So I don't even know the word for it. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. It's over. It's done. Don't worry about it. All right. Let's kind of look at a Tampa Bay's running game because this is an offense. Actually, it's been the definition of one dimensional. They have a hard time really getting that ground game going. Third lowest yards per game at 72.7. And you also have the league low in yards per attempt at only three. The Bears defense, on the other hand, they have been extremely stingy, only allowing 3.4 yards per carry and the second-fewest rushing yards per game at 65.3. And they're also one of the three teams that haven't allowed a rushing touchdown yet this season. Now, I'm really not expecting this to be the game where Tampa Bay finally gets this running game going, but what about you and why? Let's go back to Nick.
3: Absolutely not. It's not going to happen here on this stout Bears defense. I think, you know, if they can... Like you said, Tampa Bay is a one-dimensional team just passing the ball. I think the Bears are going to keep it like that. They know they're going to have to beat the Bears defense by throwing the football. So the running game, I don't think it's just going to get going in this one. I know, you know, Barber showed flashes um, of being, you know, a capable running back. But this Bears defense is just stout. They didn't allow David Johnson to get anything last week and, You know, that just made the Arizona Cardinals one-dimensional and they couldn't pass on him. But this is a different team with Tampa Bay, obviously. So I just don't see it happening. I think Eddie Goldman is just playing phenomenal. He is deserving of his contract extension. He is just filling, you know, taking up those double teams and allowing other guys to just make those tackles. And these linebackers are just flowing to the football so well that, you know, once Roquan Smith starts making these tackles, like I said, it's over. Like this defense is playing at a high level right now. And I don't think this Tampa Bay running game is going to get started Uh, in this matchup against the Bears.
1: No, I doubt it, but uh, Brandon, do you have anything, uh, any other differing opinions here?
2: (laughs) No. No, no, no. (laughs) Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks, I've seen a statistic from PFF, I don't remember what exactly it was because I didn't click to read it, Uh, but they had Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks ranked second as far as like run defense goes or something as far as defensive lineman duos and that's just as long as they keep doing what they're doing I mean there's that really leaves one side of the line and Ray Robertson Harris just allows the game to come to him and he doesn't screw up the opportunities that he gets more times than not and he's got help with Leonard Floyd on that side as well so there's no way I mean as long as the Bears continue to emphasize to stop the run and make teams one-dimensional then there's no way that Tampa gets this running game going
1: yeah no it's it's really interesting because this is one of the NFL's most prolific offenses, uh, you know, throughout the first three weeks of the season. But yet I still feel like there's a chance that the Bears can be that defense that really brings this offense kind of back down to earth a bit. Um, but, you know, we talked about all the matchups, but let's go ahead and take a step back. What are the keys to stopping this offense? And like, what does it boil down to? Let's go back back to Brandon.
2: I think stopping the runs is a big one. You don't want to let that trend start for the Buccaneers. Uh, so continue to make plays in the backfield, especially when it comes to running the ball. And the second one's really pressure. I mean, it takes, they like to score on those big home run plays. We've seen it with the, the time possession. They rank 23rd as far as having the ball the most, uh, which obviously isn't good if, you know, you're not having the ball the most if you're that low in the statistics. So, uh, Getting pressure on them, if they're going to want to throw these deep home run balls, I have total confidence in Akeem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, uh, Cleo Mack, a potential A-gap blitz here and there uh, to be able to get to Fitzpatrick in this one to be able to disrupt something. If they want to nickel and us down the field, then I'm okay with that because that means that they do not have time to throw the ball downfield, which is where their offense is really puts up points on the scoreboard. So stopping the run and putting pressure on Fitzpatrick is really going to be the keys for me.
1: What about you, Nick?
3: You know what I think with the Bears being able to apply this pressure, it's gonna happen regardless of if they bring the blitz or not. I think what Vic Fangio needs to do because Fitzpatrick is not gonna have as much time as he's had in past games. Again, what the Bears need to do on offense, they gotta take away those hot reads. And I think, you know, with the linebackers the Bears have, just getting in those zones is gonna be, you know, vital for the Bears to have success because Fitzpatrick's gonna want to get the ball out early if he's not throwing it deep. And if you can cover those hot zones, those hot reads, that's gonna get the bears off on third down where the bucks have had success. So I think this is, that's going to be the matchup to watch out for how the bears really, and how the bears combat third down and how the bucks are going to, you know, adjust to it. And if you get in the position of those hot reads, that's a good way of getting off the field on third down.
2: I want to add to your point, Nick there. And maybe that's something that, we may have overlooked to this point is how the Buccaneers try to combat the the pass rush uh, from the Bears. And that may be screenplays, bubble screens, wide receiver screens just passes to the flat. So it just becomes that much more imperative for the linebackers to be there.
1: Yep. All good points, guys. Let's move right along. And with the next thing, I'm going to right bring it right back to both of you. Anything else in your notes, Bears offense, Bucks defense that you want to talk about? I think I said that backwards. <laughs> I got,
2: uh, n- I, yeah, <laughs> I got nothing. We touched on all of it. I think.
1: Good. I'm going to just shamelessly walk backwards and I'm going to ask you guys for your X factors and I'm going to wallow in some self-pity now I'm moving on. Uh, so really no X factors. Let's go to Nick. Man, this is a
3: tough one. I have two guys written down in my notes, but I'm going to go with Kyle Fuller in this one because the Bucks love passing to their wide receivers. I think, Will, you said they have like nine touchdowns on the season. Uh, You know, that's a lot and whichever receiver is going for them, I bet you Fitzpatrick's going to want to feed that receiver, whether it's Mike Evans, Sean Jackson, even Godwin at times. So I think Kyle Fuller needs to have a good game, especially with Kevin Tolliver being that guy that's probably the weak link now on this defense right now. You can't have Kyle Fuller be another guy that could be exploited by one of these matchups. So him on Mike Evans or you know, just having to trail Deshaun Jackson deep, he's going to have to be on his A game, Hopefully just disrupt passes, not allow. And he's given up two touchdowns this season. We've seen it to really good passes. So let's see if Kyle Fuller rebounds, is able to keep these wide receivers in check. Tough to do, but he's going to be my X factor in this one.
1: Brandon.
2: I'm going to go with Danny Trevathan in this one because we seen last week, and we talked about it last night on the audio mailbag. We also had a, a fan ask about it when we were there uh, doing our show live in person there at the Man Cave. Uh, you know, if a player goes down aside from Trubisky, who's the next important guy. And I said Danny Trevathan at the time. Uh, and even Sunday against the Cardinals when he was there in the game, but he had those two mental lapses. So it's kind of like he wasn't really there in the game. He gave up those two touchdowns. So, I mean, he he is the energy and the, the one that relays the play in for this defense. So, it's really important for him to be there mentally. And if he's, you know, we know he can be there physically because we've seen him turn it around as the game went on. Uh, but if he needs to just be able to show up from the time that he walks into the stadium to the time that final whistle blows. And I think that that's really going to be the key is what kind of tone he brings for this defense.
1: Good stuff. For me, I'm going to go opposite Nick. I'm actually going to do Kevin Tolliver because you know, he came in last week. He kept everything in front of him. He allowed four catches on five targets for 54 yards. And I really think the Buccaneers are going to test him downfield early and often. So he's going to need some help over the top. And guys like, you know, Evans and Godwin, Uh, I don't know. He should maybe have help every single play, but even then that gets a little bit too predictable and you're going to leave the middle of the field uh, pretty open. So we're going to see exactly how he responds. But Tolliver is a player who he needs to grow up fast. If he can if he's going to get continually beat deep or called for multiple pass interferences, you know, down the field and those leave the points, the bears are going to, you know, give up some points. Uh, It's going to lead the offense to have to play some catch up or keep up. And I don't know where my confidence level is for that unit to do that just yet, even though it is a very vulnerable secondary for the Buccaneers. Um, If say Kevin Tolliver struggles and the Buccaneers exploit that all night long and they put up points like no other, it's gonna be really difficult for the Bears offense to kinda of keep up with that. So how Kevin Tolliver responds to this newfound playing opportunity, uh, to me is gonna be my X factor. And guys I just
2: wanna throw out there real fast that all three of us are on the same page because last night Nick and I were talking about Kevin Tolliver and how he's gonna to have to learn fast and then mm-hmm. and I forget if it was me or Nick goes, he's gonna to have to learn today. So
1: <laughs> we did mention that. <laughs> <laughs> cool that nice.
2: we're all on the same page.
1: And that's true. It's, it's it's almost like we're a good team or something. And we're all thinking alike. Right? Almost. almost. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's find out who has the edge guys i'm going to go to brandon first i'm going to give him the bears secondary versus the buccaneers aerial attack and i'm sure he knew this one was coming his way too
2: no actually i had the one answer i don't have is the bears pass rush versus the Bucs' o line oddly enough stuck in the trenches but i'm glad i got the secondary one here i'm actually going to give it uh to the buccaneers passing attack on this one because we're not sure 100 yet i think of the status of prince uh, i could be wrong i didn't check today i know he didn't practice yesterday uh so with tolliver in Assumingly, I I think he is going to be the weakest link, which is going to take another uh guy out of the secondary to go help him. I'm just going to kind of leave some holes open. So if the pressure can get there, then I don't really worry about it. But just mono bear secondary versus Bucks passing attack, they've got a lot more weapons. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, just to name a couple of them uh, against our secondary. I I kind of like the Bucks passing attack in this one.
1: I don't like it. I fear it. Yeah. Let's go over to Nick. I'm going to give him the Bears' run defense versus that Buccaneer ground game.
3: It's Bears. It's Bears all day. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have just not shown in the past three games that they can effectively run the ball because they've been passing so much, and I just don't think they get a start against this stout Bears' defense that has shown that they can stop the run and just take that completely out of the game for opposing offenses, so I have to go with the Bears' rush defense.
1: All right, and for myself, I have the Bears' pass rush versus... The Buccaneers' pass protection thats only given up five sacks so far this season. I'm looking at the 40-plus pressures they've given up, and I anticipate the Bears to capitalize on those pressures a little bit more so than some of the previous opponents that they have played this season. Uh, So for me, it's an easy answer. I think you can always give this edge to the Bears now, especially with Khalil Mack coming at quarterback. So Khalil Mack, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, maybe. We'll see. Danny Trevathan, when they come in on blitzes as well, has been up there in terms of generating some pressure. Uh, So, yeah, Bears pass rush all the way and hopefully that's enough to limit you know the edge that brandon gave to the buccaneers in terms of the secondary matchup if the rush can get there first and, and enable the secondary not to cover nearly as long then perhaps they can you know limit the gap there per se all right so before we go ahead and do our quick hit on special teams and do our bold predictions i just want to give our weekly segment real quick from our intern dj who gives the one bears player to start this week on your fantasy team if you have them And the start of the week is going to be Allen Robinson because the Buccaneers have given up an average of 11 catches and 128 yards to each of the team's leading receiver after three weeks. Uh, Their secondary has given up seven passing touchdowns this season. Six of them came in the last two weeks. So according to DJ, if you have Allen Robinson, you better start start him this week on your fantasy team. And let's go ahead. Quick hit on special teams. Let's go to Nick first. What do you got? That's a good question. What do I got? What do you Um, got? (laughs)
3: no uh I think Cody obviously Cody Parkey missed that first uh field goal in the game against Arizona Cardinals and he rebounded after that but you want to see more consistency moving forward I think this is a game where the Bears offense is going to be in if they don't get touchdowns they're going to be scoring points I really believe that so I think Cody Parkey is going to have to be up to the task to make those field goals when his numbers called upon uh you don't want to leave points out there so I think Cody Parker needs to become ready to play and You know, just being at Soldier Field, it's not the easiest place to kick, but I'm looking for Cody Parkey to be ready to make field goals when his number is called upon.
1: All right, what about you, B?
2: I don't know how many of our listeners are in the Chicagoland area, but the air is starting to get a little colder, which means it's starting to get a little thicker, which means the ball isn't going to travel as far. So we may start to see some actual kickoff opportunities instead of just booting it to the back of the end zone. So that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on.
1: All right. And for me, I'm going to look at, you know, the ever important uh, punting position here for the bears, uh, Patrick O'Donnell. I mean, it is important guys. and I think it really All is right. this week because uh, when the bears punt and they haven't really punted a lot so far this season, only like zero like uh punt per play ran, which is actually really, really strong. Um, it's like going to the top 10 of the league. Um, but when they do punt, um, can he pin Tampa Bay deep and keep long fields ahead of them? Uh, because with an offensive scoring, you know, as much as Tampa Bay has been able to score so far this season, uh, any shanks, any big returns given up in the punt game, and give them some short fields is not going to bode well in the favor of the Bears, you know, give them some long fields to work with, make them earn each and every point that they put up on the board this Sunday. So for me, uh, in terms of the net punting, I guess is a good way to put it is something I'm going to be paying attention to for the Bears. All right, guys, let's go ahead and dive right into our predictions, and let's go ahead and begin with our bold prediction, and let's go to Nick for his first.
3: Bold prediction. I I said that Mitch Trubisky is going to have his best game of the season this game. He's throwing for three touchdowns, you guys. You heard it here first. He's going to have his breakout game against his Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. I'll be there to see it in person. Three touchdown passes for Mitch Trubisky. Bold prediction.
1: Well, you heard it here second because I had that as well for my bold prediction. (laughs) It's going to come true, though. Okay, good, good. And secondly, I actually, I, I, I upped you one here, Nick. Uh, first ever three-touchdown game for Trubisky and his first ever 300-yard-plus game as well. So 300 yards, three touchdowns for Trubisky is going to be my bold prediction. Brandon, for the love of God, have something different.
2: <laughs> well, darn, no, I'm joking. I've got something totally different from going to the other side of the ball. I think the Bears' defense is going to keep Fitzpatrick under 200 passing yards for the game. Oh,
3: wow, that's very bold. I, I like, like it. it, though.
1: Yeah. All right. I do,
2: too. That's why I picked it. <laughs>
1: Darn sweet, All right. MVP time. Let's go right back to Brandon.
2: MVP time is going to be Charles Leno. I think he's going to be able to do his part in keeping the sack leaders, uh, Jason Pierre, Paul, and Vinny in check. And that's going to lead to the offense being nearly unimpeded throughout the entire game. And like I said before we went live, I don't know if unimpeded is a word, but I made it one.
1: It is officially a word now. Don't worry. Mm-hmm oh good nick nick how about you who is your mvb uh candidate heading into this game
3: well, if I have Mitch Trubisky throwing for three touchdowns, my bold prediction, I'm going to go with Mitch Trubisky for my MVB. This is a game where they're they're gonna the Bears are gonna need their offense to score points. I know the Bears defense has been great so far, but they're gonna give up they're gonna give up some points at some point. It's not gonna be like the Arizona Cardinals game where the second half they shut them out. It's a good Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, so the Bears need to be able to respond. So that's gonna be all on Mitch Trubisky, just making the right reads, making the correct throws, showing accuracy, poise in the pocket. Mitch Trubisky needs to have a great game for this Bears team to win, so I'm expecting him to be my MVP.
1: Great stuff. I'm actually going to go defense here. I'm going to give my MVP to Akeem Hicks. I think it's going to be up to you know the Bears as a unit to keep this game as low-scoring as possible, and it's really no easy task against Tampa Bay, and it all starts up front. I think Leo Mack is the obvious choice, so I went with the second obvious choice, with that being Akeem Hicks. I think he has himself a day, he can get in there, make some big plays, uh, perhaps like you know a strip sack uh, or even a hurry that turns into an interception. Any of those kind of game-changing plays or momentum-altering plays is going to go a long way towards the Bears securing a victory, and I see Akeem Hicks coming away with one of those big plays here this week. All right, guys, it's time to find out who is going to win the game. It's time to predict the final outcome and just recap standings. We're all two and one. We're all in first place. No one has picked against the Bears yet this season. Does it happen today? We'll find out. Let's go to let's go to Nick.
3: No, it's not going to happen today for me, even though I made that face. It's going to be <laughs> Bears 27, Bucks 24. It's going to be a close game. Come down to that last drive, whoever has the ball last, but 27, 24, Bears.
1: B?
2: got to be kidding me, Nick. I've got the Bears winning 27-21. I think it's going to be another shootout, quote-unquote. Uh, but I think the Bears, uh, it's going to be a shootout in Bears fashion. They're going to dominate the time of possession this one, keep the Bucs off the field. Uh, and that's really going to limit the amount of points that the Buccaneers can put up. They do have a highly explosive offense, so there will be points given up, but I think the Bears are going to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. Uh, with Trubisky getting a simpler playbook, uh, it's going to be a lot more natural to him, so we're going to see a new season point high for the year with 27. Bears 27, Bucks 21.
1: Nice. Well, I have the Bears winning, too. Surprise. <laughs> I have the Bears winning 24-17. I think the Bears find a way to become more efficient in a red zone. Uh, they only settle for one field goal on the day. Uh, and I think at the end of it, holding the Buccaneers only 17 points with a combination of really good defense and the Bears, like Brandon kind of said, uh, the Bears offense holding onto this ball, keeping it out of the hands of the Buccaneers offense. Um, I think when this game's said and done, the Bears' defense is going to be looked at uh, by the rest of the league as one of the top units throughout the entirety because they were the team that can shut down the NFL's most productive offense so far. And the Bears head into the bye week 3-1 and in two weeks to prepare for the Miami Dolphins, and we'll see exactly how it goes from there. But yeah, Bears winning 24-17, keeping that Buccaneers offense below 20 is going to be quite the accomplishment. And real quickly, guys, confidence meter uh, and your final thought on the game. Uh, scale 1 to 10, what's your confidence meter in this matchup and why? Now let's go to Brandon first.
2: Confidence meter is going to be at 6.5 in this one. There's just a lot of weapons for this Buccaneers offense. And while this Bears defense is, is obviously really, really good, it's going to be strength on strength. I just don't know that the Bears offense can keep up with the slight amount of points that I think the Buccaneers are going to be able to put up. It'll definitely be a manageable game. Uh, I'm just going to be real interested to see. Uh, simplifying the offense worries me some, so I give it a 6.5 uh, for the confidence
3: meter.
1: Sure. What about you, Nick?
3: You know what? I'm going to give it a 5.5. I only had the Bears winning by 3. This is going to be a close game. It really is. But hopefully the Bears come out on top of this, so I'm going to go with a 5.5 for this one.
1: All right, six and a half, five and a half. Well, I'll keep the halves going, but I'm going to trend upwards here. I have a 7.5. Okay. I think good defense beats a good offense. And I think this Bears defense can, is potentially great. And I, even though they're gonna be down to Prince of Mukamara, I think this is gonna be the, I really think this is the game where they're gonna get really more on that radar of being a great defense. Right now, when you hear about the Bears defense, you hear about Khalil Mack. And that's that's fine. I mean, that's well warranted. But I think when this game's said and done, you're gonna hear about some of these other Bears and they're really gonna gain some of that confidence. I'm really thinking about that two thousand six season when we went up against some really good offenses and were able to shut them down because good defense oftentimes not can take care of really good offenses. And that's what I expect to happen in this game. That's why I have them only holding Tampa Bay to 17. And the Bears getting there to 24 I don't think is uh, you know crazy or laudy by any means, especially with how vulnerable that secondary has been for Tampa Bay. And real quickly, just looking at our podcast poll here on Twitter, uh, 93% of voters have the Bears winning. So Bears fans are oh. confident of uh, now being 2-1, which makes a ton of sense to me. Like I said, my confidence meter is at 75 So I'm excited to see how this all game shakes out. And if the bears end up losing, I'm going to be quite devastated doing two ending into Dubai isn't bad either, but three and one is a million times better. It's
2: really good.
1: Yes, it is. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. And if you haven't checked out our meet the bucks episode, I want to highly encourage you to do so. And of course, make sure to listen to the latest audio mailbag that was recently released as well, that Brandon and Nick, I answered another handful of your questions that were submitted via voicemail. I want to thank you all who are here watching live on Thursday night and, of course, to the thousand of podcast listeners around the entire world. I want to thank you as well. No matter where you are, how you consume our show, just know that you are appreciated, and we love doing this show just for you. Up next, our Will Ingalls is going to go ahead and hand out his five matchups of the week. And, of course, after that, I'll walk you through my three keys to victory. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.